Welcome to the SAHCC Voices Podcast. I'm Dr. Erica Gonzalez, Chairwoman of the Board. Now is the time for us to pull together. This podcast will bring a variety of topics to help us rebuild. We are here as a resource for Hispanic-owned businesses, small business, economic development, advocacy, international trade, education, and leadership. Take some time to listen and learn, but most importantly, to remember that we are in this together. Welcome to SAHCC Voices. You take your most hipster coffee shop anywhere across the country. If they were to go one one day and have a baby with La Michoacana Me Market, <laughs> I would be the outcome. I love it. Welcome to the San Antonio Hispanic Chamber of Commerce Voices Podcast. I'm Dr. Sandy Wolf, and I lead strategic relations and member partnerships at the Chamber. Today we have with us Tyler Ibarra. He is the owner of Azteca Coffee, and we are so excited to talk to you today. And first of all, thank you for bringing us some coffee. He has some amazing coffees that we're going to get into. But first, Tyler, I want you to tell us a little bit about how you got into the coffee business. I understand this actually started when you were in college. Yes, ma'am. So uh, we started Cafe Azteca in, uh, when I was a senior at Texas State. As a junior, I always had the idea to maybe own a business, but I didn't know what that was. I was working um, at Starbucks. As I was doing, I was actually going to school to be a lawyer. So I was going and getting my, um, you know, taking the LSAT and doing research on what schools I qualify for because I didn't have the best grades. Um, <laughs> and so um, I was working throughout Starbucks. And then my senior year, I got the opportunity to manage um, the Starbucks inside Tesoro. Uh, here in San Antonio is a Fortune 500 company. They traded like oil and petroleum, stuff like that. So they had people from all over the world. And uh, there is this gentleman, his name is Daryl Schofield. Uh, he was from London. Super cool. Had a James Bond accent. Um, we would always talk every every day because um, I love soccer and he was from London. So he was a big uh, soccer guy. And so um, in one of our talks, he was like, you know, if you could do this for other people, you could do it for yourself. And that kind of just threw a wrench in my plans. And two weeks later, I went to Mexico. Um, I bought like this taco kind of cart thing and brought it back. Realized it wasn't going to work. It was made the Mexican way, um, meaning like it's made to function, not to pass inspection. Ah. Uh, sold it, made profit, and um, here I am. And that's how we got started. So the first kind of foray into your own business, into owning your own coffee business, was actually a taco cart but then you evolved, I heard, to a truck. You had a coffee truck first? Yes. So that's an even funnier story. So I never actually um, operated out of that car just because it was going to be super impossible. Yeah. Um, so with the money that I profited from that, um, I bought um, material at Home Depot for Christmas that year. I asked, <laughs> hey, give me gift cards, give me things. And so I built the trailer from the ground up. Um, I worked at a hotel. I didn't have any tools. So after I um, got off shift, they allowed me to kind of like work on the trailer. So during when I was working at the hotel, I would watch YouTube videos on how to build a frame and how to do X, Y, and Z. And so I would go apply it. And the funny thing is like, it was very economical how I did it. So (laughs) doors are expensive. So one night this guy got drunk at the hotel, punched the restroom door. And so that was the door that I used for my trailer. Yeah. Um, so I was like, Hey, can I have the door? Look, doors are expensive. And like, yeah, sure. Like, go ahead. They were just going to throw it out. Anyway. Exactly. So I flipped it, um, primed the heck out of it. And I had to reframe the, the frame just cause it was smaller. So if you know anything about co- like construction, I was going to say, you probably learned a lot about construction. No, 100%. Um, <laughs> and so I had a triple frame it. So it looks weird. Aesthetically it looks super weird, but that trailer was, it was hot. It was nasty. Uh, but it was mine. And so the reason why I started in San Marcos, because I was so embarrassed by the trailer. 
And so if I would have brought it to San Antonio, there's already two coffee trailers here. And I was like, man, like there's no way like you night and day, like they're going to know like this guy is like a little intimidating. I'm yeah. sure. I don't see, Yes, of course. And especially the way I wanted to brand the coffee, it kind of went with the stereotype of what people thought. And so that's why I started in San Marcos. And that was my, what did beginnings. people think when you were branding it as Azteca coffee? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, what you would assume, right? So they're like, what's Mexican coffee? Why is it like, is it all going to be chocolate? Is it going to be going to be chocolate? <laughs> is it, you know, is it cheap? Is it mm-hmm. like, is it specialty coffee? Like, what is it? Like, why are you branding yourself as a Mexican coffee shop? And, uh, but yeah, I got all the stereotypes. And so, so let's talk a little bit about what makes Azteca coffee special, because sure. we had a moment right before we started where you're talking about the, not only the expectations, but also the economy of coffee in San Antonio, which you have a very unique perspective on. And first of all, I want to also congratulate you on making your side hustle, your main hustle, because for a lot of people over the past couple of years, I think that, um, especially during pandemic times, they've been looking at their side hustle going, Hey, can I make it into my main hustle? So I appreciate that this is a very motivating story. But let's go back to, yeah, what makes Azteca coffee different? So I guess first we have to look at what makes coffee the same. Okay. And for me in the landscape, you take with, you know, any coffee shop in the entire country, maybe take some from the West coast, take some from the East coast and just, and even here's in San Antonio, put them all in, in a room. And you're talking about the roasters the, or the actual beans? The actual, I guess, the culture and the environment. Okay. And it's going to be pretty much the same. You're going to have your same hipster kind of style uh, branding, kind of like your black and white coffee shop. Don't get me wrong. I love Mumford & Sons, but I don't want to hear Mumford & Sons in every coffee shop that I go to. Right. And so coffee culture is pretty much the same across the board, the entire, in the entire country. And so I saw that as a huge advantage for me because I was like, all I have to do is pretty much present the same thing in a, I mean, you know, sell the same thing in a different package. At the time, everything was kind of still on the rise. And like being Latin and being Mexican was becoming cool. That makes sense. Yes. So what are some of those elements that you saw would, that people would respond to and that people are actually going, Hey, that is cool. Yeah. So for me, it's just being myself, to be honest with you. I've, I mean, I've always loved this music. Now I can kind of share what makes or what I like and what what's my perspective on things in coffee. So in, in Mexico, uh, we have different drinks. We have different like ways to brew coffee. Flavors. Flavors, correct. So tell me about your menu because mm-hmm. you did bring a beautiful array of hot and cold beverages this sure. morning to us to try. Um, so tell us some of the the different kind of flavors that you've got in here. You said that you've got the marzipan, you've got some of the correct. horchata. So we have a marzipan latte, which um, it's like a candy from Mexico and everyone loves it. Um, so we just threw some espresso, um, put it over ice, or we make lattes out of it. We have an, uh, so our version, um, I guess of mocha is abuelita's mocha. It's a really good chocolate. And so we use that as our syrup. We make champurrado. That is from my mom and my grandma. So I learned how to make that. And what is that? Um, so has, it's a without base. giving away your secrets, sure, no, no. <laughs> no, believe it or not, I do. I give classes on how to make my stuff. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, I give classes through Airbnb. Um, I've given the class on Airbnb to over like 3000 people in the span of like two years. Oh my goodness. Um, so champurrado is the base is chocolate. You have your abuelitas, um, discs, you have your tres leches, which is whole milk condensed and evaporated, piloncillo, oh, yeah. cinnamon. Um, what else do you have in there? And what, so all that by itself is amazing. Um, but then you, what makes it, I guess, atole or champurrado is you toast maseca, which is like the like cornmeal which yes. used to make like tortillas. Yes. Uh, and so you add that into the mixture. That sounds 
interesting, but delightful. No, it sounds, it sounds like it's going to give you a stomachache if I tell you what it is, but when you drink it, it's just like, wow, this is the best chocolate I've ever had. Okay. So one of the things you mentioned was that you're really changing kind of, I guess, this culture of what we expect out of our coffee shops and making it a little bit more, is it more accessible to our Hispanic community? How how would you categorize that within the the coffee economy? I think it's more identifiable. Okay. Um, Because even five years ago when I started nobody was doing coffee branding as a culture, right? Like, so people talked about, yeah, we are in the community, we serve and blah, blah, blah. We get school supplies for kids and X, Y, Z. But I guess to be as blunt as, as I, I can, no one who was an owner was Hispanic or black, but where does coffee come from? Black and brown countries. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with, you know, who owns coffee shops, but I think that's why I'm, I guess, so I guess unique in the sense that I may have been one of the first ones to include culture and great coffee and combine them. It's funny because people are like, what's Cafe Azteca? What makes you so different? Or why are you so special? Like what makes you so special? And as funny as I can put it, you take your most hipster coffee shop anywhere across the country. Um, They have the nice machines. They have the polished branding Instagram and they're what you would think is an ideal hipster. If they were to go one one day and have a baby with La Michoacana Meat Market, <laughs> I would be the outcome. I love it. Um, I love the Michoacana, by the way. <laughs> Who doesn't? Um, and so that's the best way I can explain. I have the best of both worlds. I have the culture, but I also have, I'm a coffee nerd. So I enjoy those coffee shops that are well polished and they charge you $10 for a cup of coffee because I just, I'm a coffee snob. So how can I bring that and make, make it, it a little more accessible? Yeah, I think identifiable as well too, mm-hmm. because growing up, I, I didn't go to coffee shops. I didn't, I would, I was the Starbucks kid, like obviously, cause I worked there. And so when you see, okay, cool. This coffee shop plays your music. This coffee shop still has the good coffees as the people on all cool sides of town, but they're doing it. They're presenting it different. It's a little sexier. And so I think that's what Cafe Azteca is. Tyler, tell us a little bit about how the shop worked during the pandemic. Some of the challenges, maybe some of the barriers and how did you survive? Sure. So um, it was crazy. Um, so December of 2018, I moved the business from San Marcos to San Antonio. Um, I signed a contract. Um, this is where I would tell people, hey, make sure you have friends and family involved. Don't just sign contracts. So unfortunately, I signed a really bad contract in 2018, 2019. So I was already starting off on a bad kind of foot. But as Cafe Azteca, we prevailed and we came out of that. So coming into 2020, uh, we had like full steam ahead. We we did a whole bunch of stuff at the Pearl. Um, we The Airbnb classes, we were killing it. We're still number one on Airbnb, by the way. And the Airbnb um, classes, just, just yeah. as a side note, were basically teaching people about coffee, how to make coffee. I was give, to- I give away my recipes. I'm not scared. Uh, uh, it's crazy because um, we we're in 2019 when I first started. I had a friend come back from Rome. He's like, "Bro, there's these people doing Airbnb classes, or just basically pulling shots and just charging you to make your own latte." And I was like, "I can do that, but better. Like, I will give people my recipes. Plus, they're special. They're like from like they're from Mexico. Like, there's cafe de olla and champurrado. And so I did it one day. Just as like, you know what? And it took off. It, it blew up. And I think it's because of the title too. It's like, learn how to make coffee the Mexican way. And they're like, what's the Mexican way? I was like, it's just. Let me show let you. Let me show you. Correct. So about like 3000 people later, like here we are. And so. That's amazing. Yeah, I don't believe it. And so did you have a truck then? Did you have no, Cafe Azteca truck? We had them all at the loca- No, we had them all at the location. Okay. Yeah. Um, so at the, the old commerce location. And so it was funny because I felt like the Backstreet Boys in Vegas. Like, <laughs> it, like it was 
like constant. I got tired of, of like my, my spiel. And I don't know if anybody's going to listen to this, like from Airbnb, but I was faking it. And like towards like the end of the day where it's like, man, I've had a hundred people in this two day span. It's just like, this is intense. That's great. So I don't know how the Backstreet Boys do it, but kudos to them. So March comes around and I saw the lineup. I was like, oh my goodness. Like I have Airbnb classes sold out every day. Like it was, this, it was amazing. Airbnb literally sometimes would make more money than the coffee shop. That's amazing. Yeah. And that was even before pandemic. That was before pandemic. And you had already been in business a year? I had been in San Antonio coming up on a year. Okay. Yeah. So you were still establishing your business. Yeah. You... And that's interesting because when we talk to a lot of our small businesses, one of the things that we find out is that if you have at all any online presence pre-pandemic or even developed it during the early stages of pandemic, even if it was a list of 100 emails that you could reach out to and say, hey, this is how I'm going to continue to sell. This Mm -hmm. is how I'm going to continue to operate, to service. During the pandemic, they were able to actually pivot and reach out to those people to say that they were open and communicate. Mm -hmm. But you were already establishing yourself pretty good on an online platform as an instructor. Right. And so whenever... The, so March comes around. And, and so I was like, man, I'm selling out. And I, even on the shop side, I was downtown and I was, the final four was there. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is going to be an amazing month. Like me and my dog Dodger are going to live large. Like we're both going to eat steaks this month. And um, <laughs> so imagine planning from like towards maybe a few weeks before February, like the end of February to like, you hear, like, I, I remember when, when, when my friend um, or my employee Emiliano uh, told me, Hey, do you know what the coronavirus is? I was like, well, like, that's in, like, it's in China. Like what the heck? And then there was memes and stuff coming around and it was just like a joke. Like we didn't, we never thought it was coming over here and neither did I. Like, I'm like, I'm not saying I'm a skeptic, but like it's a lot of us did. A lot of us think that that was on the other side of the world and there's no way that it's coming to the U S. So when it came March, um, like I said, I was planning, this was insane. And believe me or not, like I had just bought a brand new car. I had just signed the lease to this amazing apartment. And I was like, like finally, like the coffee was becoming like paying you back. Exactly. And I was like, you know, finally, like I could do things that I've wanted to do. And so in the span of like 15 days, I went from planning my best month ever to signing the lease to a new building just to survive. And in the stretch of two weeks, three weeks, maybe. So as soon as March came, people stopped going places. Right. So you closed your doors. I didn't. Oh, I said, you know what? This is going to pass. My, I was like, you, my employees, like you guys have families. I had two. You wanted to keep them employed, I, obviously. Full time. Wow. And I think I had six or seven customers in the span of like two weeks. Wow. And I was like, dang, this sucks. So uh, I had obviously money saved and and I was like, what do I do? Is like, Are you still doing the Airbnb? The Airbnb stopped maybe the 10th because they kicked, they shut everything they shut, down. They shut down they as shut well. Down, yeah. And Even so their online platforms they shut for online, educators and instructors. Exactly. Oh, for meeting in person. Okay. So then in the span of like, I'm just now like, what the heck just happened? Like maybe a few months ago, like I was like, oh my God, like, did I just do all that? That's crazy. Yeah. Like sometimes like when you're running and gunning, you really don't. It's like the scene from Predator. It's like, hey, you're bleeding, man. He's like, I ain't got time to bleed. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I don't have time to bleed during a pandemic if you're a small business. So let me ask you this. Did you reach out for any of the PPP funding or any of that, those grants? I did. But unfortunately, when you're a small business and when you've never had someone to look up to as far as like, hey, structure it this way, do this. You're just like worried about making money. That's the last thing. Like you're never going to think a pandemic is going to hit you. So what the pandemic did is it put everyone on a level playing field. And it, if you weren't doing like the stuff you needed to do, like 
have an accountant or have this or right. have this, there's no way you're going to qualify. For and you're, PVP. you were pretty new business. I always, I always, I, I love this phrase. I love boxing. We actually got to give coffee to Canelo, but, uh, the, how was that? Let's stop there okay. for a second. Tell me about Canelo. So we didn't get to meet him, <laughs> but we were able to give him coffee because, uh, he was in San Antonio. We dropped him coffee at like the meeting point because you couldn't come in or out. Sure. Cause you're in the bubble. It was the coolest thing ever. Like, even though I didn't get to meet him, the fact that he like probably may or may not have drank my coffee, it got to him. Right. Yes. Um, he, I mean, it was cool cause he gave us like seven tickets and hats and stuff. Oh. So I was able to take some friends and my girlfriend and we all went to like the, the fight. The fight. And, uh, now I'm actually involved super heavily in the, in the, in the coffee, I mean, in the boxing community. And I, some of my friends are pro boxers and like, I got interviewed by Canelo's like um, video guy. And like, if you look up Canelo on YouTube, it'll be a Canelo and then I'll come up. I'm just like, Oh my God, that's crazy. That's um, amazing. So I guess the phrase that I always use is like in, in business, these past five years, we just turned five in May have been like my amateur career. I've learned from the punches. I've taken them. I've, I've grown, done things that I shouldn't. I've basically, I've been groomed to hopefully now six and beyond, like turn professional. pro, like debut <laughs> as a professional. That's the best way that I, I like can the say debut it. as a professional. Yeah. So now it's cool because I've learned from my mistakes in the past five years. And so now obviously I'm not going to repeat them and I can start winning some championships. I love that. Yeah. I'm always going to look at you and go, he's debuting his professional. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I've debuted. Let's, let's, uh, yeah. I've debuted already. I love it. Um, so yeah. So then I guess going back to like the pandemic thing, um, I, employed the, my two, my two employees for about, you know, the, and I was like, finally it's like, Hey guys, like this is not going to end. Like the city's going to shut down in a few days. So I had money saved and I was like, man, what do I do? Like here at commerce, like the East side, it's, it's also too, just because like my landlord situation was kind of weird. Um, like I knew I wasn't going to get any help or breaks. So I was like, man, I have to go somewhere if I want to survive. So the money that I had saved in my bank to like do other stuff I had to use to basically move coffee shops and start from zero. Oh. And so the funny story was that like I had money to pay my employees, but I was like, dang, I don't want to keep using like the savings that I had. So I went to go um, play dad on a, on a movie. What? Yeah. What? So I, I closed two days the weekend cause I was going to be <laughs> dead anyways. Uh, I was married and I had a kid and it was crazy because even though it was fake, I was like, dang, this is what marriage will feel like. This is kind of cool. Oh my gosh. <laughs> How did you get set up for that? I had friends that are uh, like directors or like that are casting. You're and, a connector. You know, <laughs> you know a lot of people. Um, God didn't give me a lot of stuff, but I guess he gave me grace and uh, a way with people. So that's wonderful. And so, so yeah, a friend called and asked you if you'd be willing to do They're this. like, Hey, do you want to like cast? Like we like, and it was, I was in uh I was like in a, like a herd, right? Like as they, yeah, get, and the casting so, call, mm -hmm. it was me. And it was like dads of all ages, like young dads all the way to like older dads. And my wife was like 20 years, my, my senior, or my, whatever the saying is. And so I was married and I had a kid. Oh my gosh. Insta family just had Tyler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it and was, how was that felt? Was that here local? It was at the Pearl where okay. we had the, 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 the call and we filmed like in, Buda or like okay. Kyle area. Yeah. And it was crazy. It was long days on set. I was like, Dang. how many days were you filming? Two. Oh my gosh. And it was like long, like you had to like practice my lines. And I was like, dang, this is crazy. What am I doing? I was like, dang, if this is, if I'm getting tired here and I'm getting frustrated, like at this small, like, it's like, like little thing. I was like, I wonder what the Avengers like feels like, <laughs> like where they're all months on set. And you sound like a movie guy. Yeah. I mean, I love movies. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm the guy that like got watches the behind the scenes. 
Yes. So exhausting, something you might want to do oh, again. Oh, 100%. I think I would, I would be a good leading, leading, leading actor. Excellent. Yeah. And the nice thing is I'm, ho- I'm hoping you got paid for that. I did, which is crazy. I'm, it's, oh, that's the reason why I said it. So the money I made from that, I used to pay my employees. Okay. So that. Wow. So your side hustle, which became your main hustle, had another side hustle during the pandemic so that you could keep your main hustle going. Yes. I and then so that. from there, I signed another lease uh, to survive. Uh, bringing my rent down drastically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I became a roaster. So then those two moves allowed me to um, survive because roasting coffee, I was like paying 80% less of what I was doing. Plus yes. I could finally build my brand. Like I am a coffee roaster. I can start to learn the next phase of how to build this company. So in a way, I guess the pandemic pushed me to where I'm at now. Yeah. And, and now you're able to expand outside of Texas correct. because you also have your own roasting. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to rely on anybody else for that. So that's kind of interesting taking everything in house. What is something that as Theca Coffee and you as its owner for five years is looking forward to? Give us a little bit, maybe a peek into what you see coming. So for example, it's cool because I think I've always, I guess never really been afraid to, I guess, go outside the box, which is like why I branded the way I did and do the things that I do. And I guess in order for me to stand out and stick out like a sore thumb, I want to be a trendsetter, not like a, someone that kind of like follows the crowd. So here we're about to open up our first uh, coffee shop outside of the uh, state of Texas. So October 1st, we'll drop a video and tell you guys where. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. Why do you move outside of Texas? So the city that I'm going to pretty much recruited me. And um, they're giving me opportunities that I can only dream of as a coffee shop owner. Um, Working from San Antonio in another state. Correct. And so for me, I see it as a plus because from a marketing standpoint, I will be the the only coffee shop in a cold weather city to be able to go back and forth. So the people in this city will see this. And it's almost like a parallel universe where they can see a coffee, like the same coffee shop in two different cities in two different environments. I'm excited for you. This is a huge expansion. So thank you for sharing that with us. And we look forward to learning more more about it. But right now, as we wrap this up, tell us where we can find you. So uh, we have our San Antonio location is on um, 502 West Mitchell, just down the street from you guys. Yeah. We roast, we we do everything out of there and we're really super proud. We're uh, in the Coffee Sonado building and so they have allowed us to operate coffee shop in there and uh, Patricia and, and, and Clinton have been really cool in opening the doors. And so it's cool that we finally have our home because uh, through the pandemic was kind of hard. Thank you so much for, I know that it was difficult um, and I appreciate that you survived. You, you worked hard to make sure that people knew about your coffees and we look forward to driving business to you. So Azteca Coffee, Tyler Ribada, I'm sure you're on Instagram, Facebook, and all the social media platforms. Cafe so we're Azteca happy- on everything. Cafe Azteca. Okay. Yeah. And so we look forward to following you, following your progress, seeing your expansion yeah. um, and being there at your next uh, possibly ribbon cutting. Oh, yeah. um, so thank Can you. Can we so- fly you guys out? We would love to. <laughs> I, I know they have the city I'm going to has a Hispanic chamber. I don't know if they're as cool hey, as us. You but know what? We'll we'll see. We will yeah, absolutely that see. So that would be cool. amazing, wouldn't yeah. it? No, we would love to do something with you. So thank you so much for being a member of the San Antonio Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. Thank you for your time today. This is Tyler Ribarda from Cafe Azteca. So thank you to our audience for tuning in today. This podcast was developed to cover the experiences, advocacy, resources, and best practices of business and leadership in San Antonio and South Texas. The San Antonio Hispanic Chamber is the leading resource for Hispanic-owned businesses and Hispanics in business since 1929. For more information on membership or events, please visit sahcc.org. We hope we left you with some knowledge today to take on the day and look forward to having you at our next podcast or event for the San Antonio Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. Hasta la próxima.